0: So, welcome to Björfest Brewers Roundtable. Would you believe it's episode 5? This one is a bit different because we didn't have any brewers, we actually had cider makers. There were three Irish cider makers: Davy from Tempted Cider, Liam from Legacy Cider, and Daniel from Stonewall Cider, which covers from north to south of the country. And these are three great characters they dressed up what won't come across in the the podcast in the audio is the hats they were wearing the way they dressed up to just take part in this and treat it like a big party so it was a lot of fun a lot of just a lot of laughs but there was also some good information in there some meat you know about cider what qualifies as a cider yeasts involved in cider you know what apples you choose so there was a lot of meat but really it was a lot of fun You can check out the hats, by the way, if you want to, by just checking the video replay at Bjorfest.com, where you can also register for the the weekly sessions, just if you want to take part and ask questions, just join in the chat. They are always free to do that. Please do register. Other than that, I think we'll just get into this. Uh, Also, please do like us and subscribe if you can. It does help. So, like I said, a lot of fun in this, a lot of laughs. So let's get started. Today we have Liam from Legacy, we have Davey from Tempted, and Daniel from Stonewall, I believe. Um, so, welcome. Um, I'm Thank going you. to. You know, my knowledge of cider is even worse than my knowledge of beer. So, um, don't be, <laughs> don't be, um, you know, surprised at the questions I ask, basically. Um, okay. so, let's just ask. I'm going to ask the cider market. I mean, I. I as we all know, or as know, the beer, like was dominated by the the multinationals, um, and the, the little, basically, you know, kind of Indian brewing died out completely. It's only come back in the last ten or fifteen years. Cider is pretty much the same, but I think is it? I would is say it,
1: cider you? is probably a couple of years behind the beer.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the the market, I suppose, for for cider it will never be as much as as big as beer in Anyway, so, so
1: here, People think but <laughs> that's different, we have different ideas. All right, we have aspirations.
2: Yes, yes.
0: <laughs>
1: and they're as big as our
0: hats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's missing the hats. I'm missing hats. No one told me there was hats today.
2: I uh, was Daniel started it. I'm, I'm blaming you can't Daniel. Get them
3: now. <laughs> now, I I think if you look at the cider market, it's actually probably in a worse situation. Or it, it's because actually it's up in, in uh, Liam's neck of the wood. I think the large uh, the, the last craft commercial cider maker in the Republic was Powers in dungarvan Liam mm, in the fifties. Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: And then and then so then we had this big gap between the, it fall, that fall, that shut in the fifties, and then I think the first one to reopen was um, to commercialise craft cider um, or small cider production again 2010 so there was a big gap
0: there's about 50 60 years gap and i guess i like i mean obviously the big one but the big one is bulmers that that's there but that that seems to be it's probably got a, a bit of a myth idea of bulmers because i mean yeah it dominates the market and it does you know it, it's just crowd out everyone else, but it also kind of brought cider back a bit, didn't it? I mean,
1: well, you know, personally speaking, I think uh, you know. I, I, first of all, I thought we weren't going to swear too much today, so we <laughs> wear word as little as possible. Um, but in general, I think they they were inadvertently responsible for the burgeoning cider market that there is now, and the the fact that there are more people into it. You know, they did that. They did a fantastic thing with the amount of money that they put into advertising. Yeah. None of us can even remotely approach the amount of money that they've put into. It. And I think what they did was they put the the word cider in front of people. And what they did was basically put the craft in front of cider for a, of a better way, and take a different a different layer to the to the table. You know, it yeah. As in beer, there are lots. Of there are lots of different beers. So the, the major, what's, what would be the biggest selling beer in Ireland? Probably Guinness or Guinness. Like yeah. So it, oh, the the market's always going to be dominated by the macros, the guys that have got the big budget. Uh, they can they can subliminally tell people that they should be drinking their product. Uh, We've literally got to grab them by the throat and make them drink it so as they can get the experience of what cider actually can taste like. So I would say that I would say Bulmers probably (coughs) were far away responsible for all of us actually being able to have businesses.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, David. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking that it's like it's a thing because I mean, before Bulmers put all that money in, it really, I mean, cider did not have a good reputation, really. So that they did make it a premium drink, even if theirs well, isn't weren't a
1: enough premium. brown paper bags in the world to put the bottles in that people were drinking their cider out of. Yeah. Well,
0: so. so they did premium then, which I suppose is, yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, the amount of money that they pumped into it was, was something else. So where yeah. did that bring it then? Where did that bring cider then? I mean, how do you. Is that what led to you being able to start up again, or? Okay, I, well, for, I'm going to jump in here very quickly from
1: my point of view. Midlife crisis. Didn't want to buy a motorbike because we wanted to live a few years longer, so thought I would start doing a completely different career. So, everybody else, you've stolen my thunder, Davy. That's still- <laughs> <laughs>
3: so. Uh, yeah. Um- I was working in a corporate environment, and uh, my wife calls it a midlife crisis, um, but I blame it on her parents who found me, um, an apple press, and an old apple press, and an old apple scratcher, and one thing led to another, and I moved my family back to the farm here, in, or the, the property in which I grew up in, in, in Cork, and... Uh, uh, however, because we moved back here in 2007, I didn't have um, any chance of getting employed. So I was looking for a job and um, I was pressing apples for my own consumption. And uh, one thing led to another. I discovered in 2009 that Ireland had the highest per cons- uh, consumption per capita of cider in the world. And that was really where I thought, well, there has to be an opportunity for, um, uh, should we say, um, a more varied taste profiles in the
2: cider market. And that's really where it came from. What about you, Liam? You came,
3: uh, one of the I, big boys. you came
2: from one of the big boys. I, I came from one of the big boys. I was uh, I was working with my dad. It's, the reason why it's called Legacy, I, I'm third generation in the Apple business. So my dad was, uh, he developed, uh, he grows apple trees. Um, uh, he, he, he developed power. his own, yes, miniature apple tree called Coronet. And I was working with dad for about 10 years, 2000 to 2010. And we were selling it all over um all over Ireland. We did did quite well. We were in Europe and a few places with it as well. So uh, after 2010 and I joined Molson Coors. Um old an old buddy yeah. was setting up Molson Coors in Ireland. So um I was with them for a few years and I always had the ambition of working for myself and uh like being having apples and the knowledge that I had of apples, I just said this is um craft cider this is an opportunity for it. So I was delighted to get involved and I started that then in 2015. And uh, and here we are now, six years later. We're
1: still here. I mean, just uh, guess, <laughs> an apple, a lot of people have apple trees in their garden because of your father.
2: Because right.
1: They um, were they were a fantastic introduction to put a very very small tree or a tree that takes up a very small amount of space. Yeah, so yeah. basically, urban gardens that wouldn't have been able to have a tree before. Basically, they're, they're like a pole with the fruit coming out from it. Correct.
2: Yeah.
1: Yes. 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 Um, yeah. So literally, an apple tree can take up. About the same space as the width of me, which it's getting bigger by every year. But you know, yeah. it's it's uh, it's into garden, you know. So
2: yeah, no, it's perfect, Yeah, no, Thanks, Davey. Yeah, and and it was it, it was kind of a uh, uh, he spent his whole life at it, you know. And um, we were delighted with that. It went very well. It was, uh, thanks, Davy.
1: Uh out of me. A treat, give give yeah. So <laughs> yeah,
3: well, well, maybe Davy, let's not let's not too many compliments around here. Come on.
1: <laughs> oh, we the yet. On, we're just on the apple trees
0: <laughs> Maybe, maybe we want to start. So, I mean, what is the the market for cider at the moment? Is it in off licenses? Is it in bars? Is it?
2: Well, definitely now, Brian. It's all in off licenses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had bars, you know, but like we we would have had a, a large percentage. I, I I would have been sixty percent on trade, forty uh, off trade. Daniel was a much higher percentage. Davy, I think you were. Um i
1: i uh, very, um, very very yeah, little right. on trade, yeah, yeah. a little bit of bottle of stuff in yes. I, mean, I had I mean, have a decent business uh in the restaurant trade, not so much in bars. Connection. Bars don't particularly like to bars like their margin, you know, restaurants like their margin but they just charge more for stuff, you know. So if uh if you want a nice bottle of cider with your meal they're happy to sell it to you at your pounds, know, you know, so uh, whereas an off license, very, 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 very competitive market in a lot of places, so pennies do make a difference there.
0: Yes, 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 yes. yes. So, um, yeah. So maybe you should open with um on first with theirs, and then we we kind of just bring back the conversation to... It's 13
1: you know, minutes into the conversation we haven't had a blink and I'm
0: gasping. Over.
2: I'm absolutely... I was going to crack one. Oh, i, I got to go up. The I'm,
0: supposed, I'm going up to I'm get mine. To, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. What are we going to say first? Um, sorry. So Dave, you said some, um, so when Brendan Carroll what was the name of the tree he wants to put a, a tree in. They're coronets. Coronets, to for yeah. Brendan. Uh, basically, there
1: they, they were... There were a fantastic way that a tree, instead of needing to have a canopy, basically just grows like a column. Yeah, uh, uh, the wouldn't be they wouldn't be the heaviest producers, but whenever you're growing apples in your own garden, you're really looking for something that you know gives you a wee bit of your own stuff. You don't need three and a half bucketfuls of apples. You know, whenever you can literally just go and pluck an apple off a tree and eat it. You know, it's it's. They were they were a fantastic innovation, I think. They came in whenever I was still relatively young, you know. So it's all a long time ago. So. Um, there's a man there who he really wants to start drinking cider. Look at
0: him
2: I'm mad to start drinking anyway, lads.
0: <laughs> so let, let, let's start we would have learned and then, kind of you can talk me through how cider is actually actually made and you know, what's involved in it and what's involved in the apples and stuff like that, and that might be...
1: Liam, where you go?
2: Okay, well, look, I'll start off. So, uh Legacy Cider. I I'm, am... to open your, I'm, I'm open I'm, your dry I'm, here, Liam. Just okay, there. so that's the one, one to go for. Just give me a sec, i got to get a bottle opener. Sorry, guys.
1: Me? I'm the same Cider, mate. Look, I'm, I'm in my kitchen. I've got bottle openers. I've got the fridge behind me. I've got... a walk out into the shed and I'm
0: actually quite embarrassed that they might have cider because I've been okay. productive over the period. So, yeah. so what would you say like differentiates this then if, to someone who doesn't know cider who's only had bullmers?
2: Like Brian <laughs> a lot of it uh, to be straight up is juice content. that That's that's what's going to make your, your cider good. Um, it, there's a lot of other technical things involved in it as well but like um we have a very high juice content and all, all of the craft uh, cider makers, high uh, juice content and the apples come true and the taste comes true as a result of that. Outside of that then there's this uh, a blending that we do. So we use all different types of apples. You use uh, like broad categories of let's say a cooking apple, a cider apple and an eat And we blend uh, all of those in, into our cider just to get a really good combination for the tastes that we want for that particular cider. So oh,
1: yeah. Homers is oh, essentially Homer's oh, is essentially, essentially the equivalent of a crow lager. Yeah. Not very not very challenging, uh, approachable by nearly everybody that goes to it unless you're diabetic. Um, <coughs> you know, it's very sweet. Um, this is uh we go down the craft uh, method. Generally speaking, you experience a lot more flavour profiles, you know. So it's a bit like your you know, what's the difference between a New England IPA, a double IPA, a standard IPA? You know, it's um, basically, it's just different levels of complexity, different levels of flavour, something that excites your, you know, your your uh, imagination. You know, there's Liam's, Liam's dry, I, w- I would say it's not particularly dry from my point of view, mm. but clean, fresh. Um, there's a the thing that I notice with a lot of the cider apples that are grown in the south, but you do get quite uh and from particular areas you do get quite distinctive sort of vanilla vanilla flavours in them. Um comes through very strongly in the cider, makes it gives it a much more rounded uh
2: Davy, I, I gotta cut in on you on that. There is vanilla and very well picked up on it, but there's vanilla in this one in particular and it's quite strong and that is because we've we've um aged a portion of that in um um, bourbon barrels. Okay. And then, yeah, what are we tasting?
1: Dry. Legacy dry. Legacy dry.
2: But no, Dan, yeah, Davey. And uh, I, this was only blended now. Brian, this was just blended um, in okay. March, in February. And, and we bought it in um, the middle of March. So it's only spangled. We put a lot of work into this one. I'm very happy with it. Uh, For us, uh, it gives. There's a bit of acidity in it. Um, it it's not as, as Davy said. It's not a traditional dry, dry. Uh, the Irish palate is a little sweeter, but um, th- there is a bit of acidity. There's a bit of dryness at, at the end of the mouth, and I really like that vanilla um, that's in it because it gives a perception of sweetness as well. You guys elaborating. Sorry.
3: There's a similar. There's a similar flavour. You know that sort of mysterious flavour, Davy, in your ciders, which I always get and you swear to me it's not
1: rambling. I'm getting a bit of that in this. What, what are you doing? Well, unless it's, unless it's, most of my cider would, would have the better sort of aged for quite a long time. So we yeah. do get a little bit of sort of biscuity, you know, malolactic style fermentation in it. Yeah. Um, and especially if you, have, if you have a little bit of uh, light cider that maybe is coming towards the second half of the season, well, yeah. the first half of the season you definitely get that slightly more complex biscuity that but, but I I do note I do note that vanilla kick in that is actually it's in a more rounded way. I've noticed it in a couple of other uh people's cider down south that <laughs> it can actually be quite uh in your face and nearly kicks away from the from the actual apple flavour. That's that's yeah. a that's a nice fresh um as I say, Liam and I have had this conversation many times about levels of levels of sweetness in cider. <coughs> I actually think you've tuned that you've tuned that down quite a lot from, <coughs> shall we say, your earlier years. I think, that's, I think that's a really nice cider. Thanks, Davey. So that's the last compliment you get today. So. Right. Okay. <laughs> well,
3: then I'll come in with the nasties. How much bittersweet is in here, <laughs> if any? Liam, Liam? How, how much- many? What bittersweet is in here? Can anybody hear me? Liam. I can hear you yeah, now. Got you now, Davy.
2: Daniel, I can hear you now. Okay. How much how much bittersweet have you got in there? Um there's about twenty uh, percent. Yeah,
1: that's it's it's it's, it's, on the, yeah. it's on the it's on the it's on the uh, flavour enhancing side rather than the
2: Yes, pan- exactly. Like look the idea of one is it's it's uh, it's an acid based cider. So acid based being is primarily dessert. There's a little bit of bramley in it it's probably maybe kind of 10%, 8% unit. Yeah. and the rest of it then would be a mix of Elstar, John and Gold, um, primarily and a little bit of Katie as well.
1: It's, what's the pH, uh, pH, in pH in that final product?
2: Uh, pH in that is, I think it's around 3.2,
1: something like that. To me, that tastes, you know, I throw up a little bit of a risk with the, describing your cider as acid-lead in a lot of people will start to go in a, you know sort of pure brand we thought, and maybe initially think it as something that's very really I think, I think that's very approachable. I yeah. understand, I understand your comment of acid lead, but I wouldn't describe that as acid lead. I would say that's beautifully soft, nice Irish dry cider. You know, yeah, that,
3: yeah. You know, I, well, I would much? Um, Look,
1: just because
2: he's
3: wearing a pretty hat, Davey, you don't have to be nice to him. Um, Liam, what's yeah. the next, Davey? You no, know,
2: actually, Daniel, he does have to be nice to me. Actually, as a matter of fact, yes. So listen, if you have anything bad to say, you no. can just hold on to it, all right? <laughs> no, no, no.
3: CO2, what are we doing? Four grams a
1: litre? No, it's a bit more
2: than that. Oh, it's a bit more than that, yeah. Four yeah. grams a litre?
1: Right? I would say you're there. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me, folks. I've had a really, really bad non COVID cold. Oh. <laughs> And Nothing and to do with the cider is what you need to Jay. Well, well, it's Jeff, it's The, the thing is, ha- I haven't actually had a drink of alcohol for two weeks, so um, if, ah, if, my just, if my excitement runs away with me here... This is great stuff,
2: good, lads. I'm just going to stuff. stay on this for the evening. I'll be fine.
1: Are we going to
3: taste the next
1: one? Are yours? I'm going to swap to your medium here just to compare to the
0: uh, So just on the... The make cider, I mean, it's it sounds like there's an awful lot of it, or the majority of it is a lot of it in blending, having the different, knowing how to blend them and how to mix it. That you get is that from different years, different apple types. Do you start off?
3: It's, it's a bit of it's a bit of a polemic, really, Brian. I mean, there, there are those that argue that it's impossible to make a single variety cider, i.e., just using one variety of apple. Um it can be done. Um, we're not blessed with apples in the island that do that for us. So typically, yes, you're looking for particular characteristics from different types of apples. So the bittersweet, you've heard the term bittersweet, of which Dabinet and Michelin are the two varieties which predominate most. Um, they would bring the tannin and the astringency and a lot of the structure to drink. Um, and they would be to, you know, when, if you go to a sort of Brittany cider or a Normandy cider, they would always be bittersweet, um, and then you've got sort of more lightest, flor- lighter floral notes which you'll be drawing from the eating apples, so yeah, there is a lot of blending. I mean, I uh, the character of the cider maker, in my opinion, is reflected in the blend. Uh, their perception its the cider maker's perception of what they think the consumer will enjoy drinking is what they blend. So it is, I mean, there's a massive signature to people's cider. I mean, if Dave, if I taste. If you, if if Davy or less, or Liam, because I haven't drunk quite so much of it yet, but I'm sure I'll get there. But if if I was given one of Davy's bottles without a label on it, I guess it was Davy's, just because there are certain characteristics which I associate with Davy. usually,
1: usually based on the price you've had to pay for it.
0: (laughs) But like when you're blending the cider, so do you get the different breeds, the different types of cider? the individual siders out of those and then blend them or do you mix the apples together at the start or how and then blend to we'll see yeah, what? Yeah, th- th- that's
2: really interesting. Uh, and, and, and everyone has a different kind of a take on of a take on of What what we of what what we uh, like the reason why we started off single fermentation, so you get in your, let's say your little your golds or your your bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little would of you'd, you'd, uh, would little bit ferment that little bit of ferment that bit and then the next apple that comes in
1: do matures. you ferment those individually separately? Or you do that blend and you do that? So like it's an early season blend?
2: No, we like we just do all of the apples set, uh, completely on their own. So stick all of the Katie into, into one tank and, and let that uh, ferment out fully on its own. Uh, when the John of Gold comes in, ferment that one out fully. Um, and that's the way we've always done it. E- each of the uh bittersweets, then the Davenet and the Michelin come in. Well, they'd come in in and around the same time, but still, we just ferment them separately. This year, we did a little bit of trialing, and we we uh, blended the, uh, the the apple juice so as we'd ferment it together and uh, just to see what what pops out of that. But I don't know, guys. How how do you do? Do, do you just kind of uh, mix the juice at um, the pressing, or are the
3: no no? Always keep <sighs> I, 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 I believe that you get. Um, you allow the fruit variety to develop its own characteristics when it's not mixed in either uh, when you're when you're grading the fruit or when you when you're mixing the juices, and I think that gives you more levers to play with when it comes to blending. Um, when, when they've got their own sets of characteristics, and you can turn them down and adjust them. Whereas when it's just one, uh, you know, mass of,
1: of fruit, you haven't got that opportunity. Right. Well, I would I would disagree with that slightly, but I I agree Ooh. in I agree in principle but I disagree in practice, because I have now developed, based what I call an early season blend of, you know, basically, all of us have two different styles of cider. We have a light eating apple style cider, which has no no discernible tonic characteristic. It's it's completely um, it's completely characterized by its level of acidity. Uh, so I have an early season blend of eating apples, of which I, per- personally speaking, I think. The apple, Katie, is one of the biggest abominations of apples that ever was brought onto this earth. Oh, yeah. As a, as a and Again, this is a per, completely personal point of view. Um, it's it's an apple that I don't use at all. My early-season blends would be Worcester and Discovery. Um late-season blend would be, uh, generally speaking, um, Jonah Gold, Falstaff and Golden Delicious. Um, yeah, that, that's I, funny, Davey.
2: You I, see, we, we, we wouldn't get those at all. Like uh, Discovery, I don't think there's an Egremont tree growing I, I, I down.
1: Egermont, um, if, you, if you ever want to make, if you ever want to put a toe into making pear cider or parrot. Yes, uh, yes, exactly, a, yeah. At least any mm. sort of a good russet apple. Yeah, uh, yeah. Big high, Big, high sugar content. Yes, uh, yeah aromatics are there, the floor. Very aromatic, yeah. The are there. Um, the problem is you can you can end up with a very, nearly a perfumey uh, smell and taste from it, which... Um, so Royal, Royal Gala is terrible for that. Yeah. Pink, oh, Lady, Pink Lady is appalling. Pink Lady is... I, I was once uh, given some supermarket upgrades of Pink Lady and made cider with it, uh, and I was thinking about bringing out a perfume blend instead. Yeah, for, yeah. It stinks. It's just it's it just, but it it stinks in a way that is it, particularly. It smells quite nice, but when you taste it, it just has this soapy, mm-hmm. non-grip yeah. flavor. You know, so it smells like a
3: laryngary air freshener to me. I got to tell you, I didn't like it at all. You no, know, exactly, an apple on steroids?
1: I'm using one of those as a tea bag, and then make a bit of product from that and see what it's like. Because it could very well, very well work.
2: Lads, come on, move on to the next cider. We're going to be here all, all day unless we get cracking. We, which one is, is the next one? Well, I've just tried your medium. Oh, yeah, medium. All right. Okay. me
1: a sec, would you keep up?
2: <laughs> no, come on. Lads, me two seconds here now to get this one in. What do you think, Bill? Okay. You, the floor is yours now.
3: Um, again, I'm questioning the CO2 just because it doesn't seem – go for highly carbonated cider, so maybe it's, it's that that's it's throwing me a bit.
1: Carbonation goes off your medium much more. when it goes off your dry, um, partly due to the sugar content. I would say it's, it just—it's it just not doesn't doesn't seem to hold it quite as well. Because I would agree, I would say that that's not anywhere near as as well carbonated as the first one. Yeah, yeah. But, No, that's uh, the problem. No, that's the problem. It's a very pleasant drink. Um, it's it's a very look. I tell you one thing: if you had a boomer's person and you gave them a bottle of that there's enough characteristic about that makes it out to be very different, but it's very approachable in the way that some, you know, a, a, a Bulmer cider doesn't necessarily have, st- you know, strong characteristics strong flavors that, that just has a beautifully fresh apple flavor. So I think it's um, for us as a cider to give to someone to move them on to drier product and more, uh, shall we say a challenging cider product, that would, I think that would be an extremely good starter, and, and that's
3: that's an interesting point because I can see Barry Masterson's made a uh, made a, a comment there. When we started, we started with our medium dry, which is still our largest seller. But um, I would say twenty percent of our volume now is dry. Twenty five percent. What's been the what's been your um, experience of that, guys?
1: Well, whenever I started out, uh, I had a I had a, a dry uh A medium dry, which basically was dry and a sweet. And my sweet sales would have been 85% and the dry sales would have been 15%. Um, We probably do, compared to that first year, we probably do five, six times the volume now. I've got five ciders and dry cider makes up 40% of my business.
2: Wow, 40%, yeah. I would have been. The same. I would have started out. My dry was the first one out, and um, then when I introduced the medium, I, I would have thought that the medium would have uh, at least levelled with the dry. But the is out now. Um, this is the third year, fourth year, and um, dry would be, I'd say, sixty percent of sales. So even in the new accounts that I get into, the dry still generally outpaces the um, the, the medium.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, what what I, what I... I'm really, I'm really interested to go on to something different here. Just can we, can we, if people don't have any objections, can we do Daniel's Tony? Yes. Okay, perfect. Any difference to the table? Okay. By the way, a big shout out to everybody that's actually uh, joined us. It's very nice to uh, see that there are some people of, of probably... I, I, I don't like to say the highest intelligence that are prepared to sit and listen to us chatting away, but maybe maybe the fact that they're more intelligent, they learning, and they want to listen to somebody else talking rubbish for a change. Yeah. All
0: right, everybody,
1: to watch them. And the other thing, I just I, I heard I heard the name Barry Masterson there. Can I just say that some of the uh, cider that he produces is definitely of an acceptable quality. You know, I have, I've had, I've had one or two. Just thinking, if I if I dig this up a lot more, coming <coughs> next time. But I got some samples from him. We we swapped some ciders, and uh, I have to say, whenever he goes an oak dry cider, going bad.
0: Okay, we make a note on that one. Hello, Barry. So. Which one was this? One? Was sure.
1: This oh. is Daniel's colony. So by the time I've drunk this, you might see me sliding off onto the floor.
0: Yeah. What so, what's What's in this? What What makes it special? Um. Well,
3: it, I, I suppose as 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 there might be a few uh, beer aficionados checking in, I should be honest and say this uh, came about actually because I was going to do a collaboration with Sam Black, and. Um, one of the base ciders that I brought along to do the collaboration was this one. And uh, whilst we worked on another project, I found some hops, and I decided that this product um, was just too good to leave alone. And basically what it is is it's um, bittersweet variety. So it's predominantly Dabinett apple variety, and uh, it's chapas, um, which I'm sure all the people on the call will recognize. But basically that's the addition of artificial sugar's um, once the fermentation process is artificial, not what, artificial. What age,
1: what age is that base cider before you start finish? You know, before you finish it off, at least eighteen months. Yeah, because it's got got a lovely mellow tone to it. We we um, so
3: I capitalise it up to fifteen percent. I rest the fermentation. I leave residual sugars. We've got about nine. Uh, sorry, sorry, we're at about a thousand and nineteen in in gravity terms. Um, for that and then it age, it's aged on its leaves so we leave it on its lees for the 18 plus months um, and then um, basically just before we bottle it we threw through the flower of the Eldorado dry hop so this is we don't sell huge quantities of it but it's extremely popular for those that do that do drink it and um, it's done very well in competitions for us uh, but really um, compared to um, a sweet wine to a sherry, um, to lots of different things. It's quite interesting asking um masters of wine to tell you, you know what what is the thing that's not apples in there because they rarely get it. Um, but basically, the idea of the hops is to use the bitterness of the hops to to add another layer of complexity, but also, to counterbalance if you like the residual sugar that's been uh, left in the tawny so that's how it's made um, it comes in at 15% so not uh, for the faint hearted and, and should be drunk in you know, that sort of glass as opposed to a pint, um,
1: oh, geez, a, pint of, a pint of that is uh, yeah okay
3: well there have been a few car crashes at trade shows that's all I'll say literal car crashes but you know those big hairy chested fellows who reckon they can drink you know
1: I have to say one of the thing one of the things that gets my imagination so much about cider is that I, I would love to be I'd love to be twenty years younger, I'd love to be thirty years younger to see where the path leads you because this would it be right saying, Daniel, this is about four years out in the market, maybe Oh gosh,
3: it must be more than that.
1: Be but fine. Yeah. yeah. This is this is a natural progression of somebody who's playing. Right. So this is, you know, make make your cider, sell a cider that's commercially fat. Uh, and then right, we want to sit down we're going to play and we're going to see where we can uh, where we can take things. Like you look at you look at the market that there is now for, you know, like I say, strong, high ABV, PAs, Imperial Stouts, that sort of thing. Never in never in anybody's wildest imagination would that have been brought out in the first two or three years of production. You know, people need to get a basis behind everything, and this this is everything all about putting decent root behind you, and then you can develop a product like that. That product is in indes- is unrecognisable to the first product that you brought out in that form. I think this now has. It sounds like I'm being I'm nice all the time. It's
2: what were you saying, Davey? Were you saying we weren't going to be nice to each other? I mean, remember we met before this. And we said, "Listen, lads, we're not you know, being nice to each other. We're going to start being critical. We have to be critical." Davey, you you obviously never got the memo.
1: Yeah, well, you know this. I I I just this become a very refined product. You know, it's, he, it's he's not nice he to bro.
2: Anyway,
1: you know, one of the one of the things one of the mm-hmm. things Daniel said earlier on that he came back to Ireland and and. Couldn't find a job. Well, I'd I'd say now He's definitely employable because he has so many thoughts in his head as to where he's going to take things, new products that he's going to bring out. That you know, nobody would give him a job now because there's probably about one of his attention span that isn't on new product development. You know, so
2: Danny, just one question on it: um, Would you barrel age it? It seems like a cider that would or a drink that would do really well in a barrel. <laughs> A lot of people think we
3: do barrel agent it actually Liam interestingly enough, um, you could uh we also have an apple oak wine uh, which uses a, simple, a similar base but without any sugar um we haven't interesting yeah I did put some out um I did put some out in the market about three years ago and it was returned I went to witch off license premises with somebody saying it was corked um so I think the people who drink it have got a a perception of to what it is and I guess it's a bit like my medium dry. I'm not going to change it at this stage, but I think there's plenty of, as you say, and I think Davey's going to come on something in a while, there's plenty uh, of opportunity to, uh, with Oak um, and uh, what we can do with that, as long as the revenue don't penalise us too much. So it might. Um, we'll see what happens.
1: Of the, one of the things I think you, 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 you leave yourself slightly open. I've had this discussion with a couple of other people. You leave yourself open to a lazy review from people where they taste something and they don't actually try to encompass the flavors that are in it. They just immediately straight to the the easiest thing on an cider it's maybe vinegar, you know, they'll say, Oh, that's, Oh no, you know, there's vinegar in that or whatever. And if they actually sit and taste the, the, the flavor file, they'll find that it's actually a, a, a savory, very complex background flavor that's in it that, um so as I say, it's very easy from your point, Daniel, with the cider that was returned. It's very easy to be to become uh, a victim a, a lazy review or somebody who does who wants to appear to be an expert. You know, there are a lot of those about in our industry of people that think um, you know. do you're talking about, Debbie. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> yeah, Can
0: we understand? get the next cider, please? The, like, <laughs> <to> the, like, <laughs> the, like, just just based on the hops that the the question. I mean, Kate here had a question about how much non-apple fruit she said, but how, how much non-apple content, I guess, could be in a in a cider and it stops being a cider? or hops, or fruit, or well, this, guess,
3: this, this, is, this is cider? This is a very germane question. Uh, the revenue are supposed to be harmonising, but so, for example, to use, so the tawny is considered as cider, believe it or not. I'm slurring my words already, and I'm only on the oh full my cider. God, i um, starting. Tawny is, tawny is considered a cider, but we have a same, the same ABV cider which is oaked and it's not considered a cider, except nothing to the other one other than it's just aged in oak. So I think that's a very good question, and I think it's unclear, and I think there's a whole area around that which needs to be um, addressed but across cider. the industry because the problem is cider is a very old church. But the reality is, um, you know, uh, there isn't anything but water and concentrate in a, um, I'm going to swear, Applemans or Orchard Thieves, but they're called a cider. And all of the ciders that you're tasting today, which are nothing apple juice, are also called a cider. And so I think there's a perception perspective in relation to the consumer as to what cider is and what we categorise it as an industry. And then from a revenue perspective, and it's one of the biggest issues that they've had at a European level, is because cider hasn't been a ubiquitous drink such as beer has, um, there is no classification as to what cider is. So at a national level, there's a lot of people making it up as they go along. Okay. Would that be fair?
1: Everything depends as well, you know, on your geographication. If you're north of the border, Daniels, Tawny would not come under a cider classification because there's an addition of a, of a third-party flavour to it, i.e. the hops. So, um the, the UK revenue basically don't only accept apples or pears as content for uh, cider. So as soon as you put any third party flavour in, uh, mm. they they multiply the duty by approximately one and a half times. Yes. And um, you know, so if, if, hence if you go if you go to America, you'll find. I think when we were over at CiderCon last year, somebody told us there were something like eighty nine hot cider products in America. If you have a hot cider product in the UK, your duty level just goes from forty pence a litre to nearly a pound a litre. So all that innovation that you could have is basically stopped. So it's uh, the the revenue, the revenue take a very different attitude depending on on whether you're in the north or whether you're in the south.
3: Well, and um, I mean Barry's just asked an interesting question. Unfortunately, um The UK is not much better, but uh, in Ireland, the only people who actually um, uh, find what a cider is is the revenue. And there is – people talk about juice. um, Well, reconstituted uh, concentrate is also considered a juice, unless I'm incorrect. But if Barry's question is about fresh juice in cider, no, there isn't. I think there's only one European country that I'm aware of that that can – if you call something cider, it has to be made up of nutrients, but – Juice derived from cider, fresh juice that is, and that's Romania. Otherwise, it's a whole grey area.
1: Yeah. Well, look, it's, it's, uh, all I can say is in the north, it's very, uh, there's very little scope for innovation. You can't, you can't, you can, you can store a product in a barrel that amounts of flavor to it without that changing the, the, uh, the GD level. So you can store cider in a whiskey bar. Uh, and call it whiskey aged or whiskey barrel aged. You cannot call it whiskey flavor. You know, if you call it whiskey flavor, you have to pay the higher duty level. You know, so it's um, there's a lot of innovation that we're about, and I think probably will happen in the next few years. Uh, but at, at the minute, it's uh, it's very difficult to bite uh, a new you know a product with a different twist on. It, you know, so. Right.
2: Davy, can we taste your age? What of
1: your side is we gonna have? I have Davy, which of your side is we gonna have let's do the dry on the bar of the Okay. So right. least, if, if possible if possible, if you had three different glasses just to pour this into at the same time, it would be great. This is well, we should keep Barry happy now because um, we're onto the we're onto the cider with uh, a bit of a barrel to it. So this is my ordinary dry cider uh, with its commercial level of carbonation. And this is my barley cider, which is uh, just done with my own test kit. So if you, if you put the two of them side by side, you see an automatic. Uh, well, also difference in the uh in,
2: in, in the, the barrel edge it's actually a dry cider, is it? The same blend. In
1: fact, it's actually drier. Uh yeah. it's it at about a thousand and four SG, so it's it's really dry. The uh, ordinary Woo! dry cider Woo! is about thousand great. and four. What? Thousand what? and four. Yep. So out of curiosity, it's the wrong way to do it, but try the commercial cider first of all. Hmm. There's a nice
2: bit of bittersweet
1: in that isn't there davy that's 30 that's 30 30 30 34 35 percent bittersweet mm, uh,
2: definitely
1: a little bit quite a bit of uh, that particular blend is an early season batch so that's that would be worcester and discovery so a little um, bit more a little bit more in your face acidity too mm.
2: uh,
1: which you then have to if you're trying to get your blends the same as in early season and late season you do manipulate your, the juice that you put in at the very end. So, but that, this is the one cider that, that I'm incredibly proud of and pleased of. This is what I wanted to make for myself. And I've been able to make it, fairly you know, we, we put out two years ago, we put out 70 odd thousand litres of that. Mm. Uh, we put out last year with the pandemic, we still put out 40,000 litres of that. And I'm really pleased that every batch we put out is, I would say it's within one or two percent of the batch previous. You know, it's it's uh, it's a nice, dry, easy drinking cider.
2: Well, I was going to ask you. You've a nice balance between uh, acidity and all bittersweet. Um, that you you got quite a strong bittersweet coming through, but um, I, I I can't say like the flavour of your uh, dessert apples that you use and aren't coming through, but the acidity of them is coming through and that balances then with your bittersweets. So, so
1: um that, to me that that's that's meant to be that's meant to be an easy drinking dry cider so hence it's about a thousand yeah. and six thousand and seven you know yeah yeah as
3: low as that a thousand yeah. six thousand yeah. seven Yeah. Cheap as that's easy drinking for a dry cider well
1: mm. see that's all because you've got a wonderful cider producer in front of you here you know who so can make Absolutely! You know, look, why hide? He giving himself compliments. Bloody hell! Well, no, look, it's 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 all about everything. You you spoke earlier on, uh, Brian, about uh, how important is blending. Um, to me, blending's everything. You know, you have you know what you have about you, in um, and, and different styles of cider, like uh, some of the better sweet cider that's in this and that commercial dry cider is from 2016 right so I tend I try to have uh, try to have a blend of three different years bittersweet and the final cider so it that sort of irons out and softens and smooths the flavor and uh, it's damned expensive to do it that way because you have to hold stocks but to me that's how you get a consistent product
3: now Davey um,
1: thanks for that tell me about this whiskey it's unbelievable um how, how how long did you leave it in the barrel? This this is this is a, a basic oak barrel, right? So Yeah, because I'm getting I'm not getting any I'm I'm getting much more wood than I am whiskey. You shouldn't you shouldn't really get whiskey because that's that's been filled quite a few times to get it down to the stage where it's just the wood. Now what's your you know, this this is actually only the second time I've tasted this, right? So um So what are getting this, huh? Yeah what what would your what would your first impressions of that be? I, I so it it um what strength is it by
3: the way? Uh, just under six. Um, I, I think it's um so I I I like um high tannic, well wooded. I mean, how much bittersweet have you got in here? Or bittersweet?
1: Fifty percent bittersweet.
3: And one of the things that I've found when I was over um, the year before at Cytocon, and I visited this guy. Um, called Jason Lumman, um, in the People's Company. And all he had were acid, high-acid apples. And he used to age all of his apples in oak casks. And it made them so approachable. Um, and I, I think the wood has transformed this, really. I think it's fantastic. I think it's great.
1: You know, but th- like I said, that, that finished product is, two th- is 1,004 SG.
2: <clears throat>
1: but, it you know, it doesn't... If you if you put an or if you put a, a, you know an ordinary cider a thousand and four SG, <clears throat> very different, very difficult to get the, unless you have a very very high bittersweet content or whatever, it's very difficult to get the, the fruit flavors through because on a on a on an apple cider, thousand and four SG basically is you know it's a bit like blown in the wind. It just it just just is, is,
3: is there any perry in this? No, nope.
1: because it's
3: got it. you know. Um, I had the, the, the good fortune to uh, have a sample from your fine stable of products um, the other day, and there's almost a sort of perry tannin crunchiness to the um, to the cider.
1: Well, that's that. that uh, that's 2017, seventy uh, percent, uh, Davinette, thirty percent, Michelin cider. I do been in the barrel. Uh, was in was in a. Uh, nine gallon barrel that size of a barrel for approximately five and a half months nearly six months so there were no wood. they clearly
3: clearly wasn't spent by any stretch of the imagination there's lots of wood in that
2: yeah yeah it's it's unusual david because the, most of the kind of the whiskey barrel ciders that, that I, I taste are it's vanilla and it's it's actually the whiskey that's coming through into it rather than what you have here is you have the oak and you have the tannins exactly. from the oak.
1: You know, Don't, don't call it an oak barrel. You know, I, yeah. I have a tiny, uh, small oak cask. And the fact that you're dealing with a very small, um, a very small cask allows me to use my favorite phrase, which is surface area to volume ratio. You yes. Loads and loads of the, of the the product in contact with the wood. Mm. It just, it to me, this, there's a, guy, uh, there's a guy in Belfast uh, who tweets under the, under the uh, guise of, t- of beers from the wood. Mm. And he gave me this, um, well, he's loaned me a uh, small task. And uh, I, I, in my wildest imagination, I didn't think I would get something as soft and smooth uh, to come out of it, you know, so. Yeah, but it's got, it's got
3: incredible character, Davy. incredible character.
1: You don't think that would be a beer drinker's cider? Mm.
3: Yeah, possibly you know.
1: would, yeah, yeah. I think well, a, lot you know, know. a lot of people that like, you know, that like a beer, would drink it. and <coughs> this, this I actually have to say is, I'm back to him again, is Barry Masterson, who, um, sent me some absolutely beautiful Oak Age ciders, and, we we both agreed a couple of there's one other uh eating apple cider that he had wasn't particularly to my taste, but all the stuff that he puts in barrels, um, he has he's got the he's got the the length of time in the wood right, he's got the blends going in right. Um, the, by the way, his other cider there was nothing wrong with it, it just wasn't wasn't to my particular taste. But that's what made me to that's what made me to to make the blend of cider to put into that barrel you know so this character of the cider went in and there's a hell of a character of the cider coming out you know but
2: i
3: i think that's outstanding i
1: drink a lot of that
2: yeah it's got really good body you've managed to hold uh, you know um good good viscosity out of it like
1: yeah but uh, i just like that i had no i had no ordinary juice uh to finish that so that's uh, that's a reconstituted little best apple juice in that to finish that cider off. Oh, right. So you have added, you have added. Sugar. I have no, the only, the only, there's the only sugar, you know, the the the, the product would have been, would have been 997, 998. Well, you've about have, 10% juice in there then. Is that right? Your <coughs> mile, your mile's been out right about right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's approximately, it was approximately. A one point something liter in, in a twenty liter, uh, sorry, in a in a ten liter drum. Yeah. So,
3: and do you think it? Do you think it needed that? Because um, going back to this guy Jason Lummon, in in Grand Rapids, uh, he didn't add anything to his uh, his apples once they've been aged in the bourbon barrels.
1: Yeah, but the 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 American cider market is based on austerity, and it's beyond um you know any sweetness that the wood would bring to it would be a welcome relief compared to some of the ciders that the americans drink anyway you know so um i think from a from point see there there's the i'm I'm just being I'm, i'm i'm being absolutely enthusiastic about Irish cider and i've completely despised the entire american cider market in one in one phrase but um irish cider i think what what i try to do i try to make every cider that i make i try to make it as approachable as possible so that sg i think is the correct sg for that the personally speaking i would have been quite happy to drink the the raw cider coming out of the barrel but i just felt that
3: step too the, far for the sorry step too far for the consumer
1: i think just yeah. a little bit too far for them to move with that. but there were there were 79 bottles of that uh in the very first batch so uh, can i have the, some more uh, if you ask nicely, yes, yes. <coughs> the um, uh, well, I, I want your advice and a couple of other things at some stage. So probably yes, it'll be a good bargain. You know? Okay, okay. But, uh, yeah. but it's you know it, it's one of these things you play about on lockdown with uh, with different with different products and you try to to do things. But how you would make that on a commercial basis and and charge the money that you would require to. Uh, Actually, the market would be a very difficult thing to do.
3: Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, we're playing with, uh, as I've mentioned to you in the past, we're playing with the the whiskey barrel age stuff ourselves, and uh, a litre of duty is going to be, a litre of that will incur a duty charge of €4.24. Of how much? €4.24.
1: See, uh, that's... I I Actually, with that cider, I would get away with standard duty on that. Mm but um but it obviously has to put a fair bit of expense into the right quant the right quantity and the right quality of barrels to do that properly and in in this day and age with pandemics and uh cuts which i think probably are in you know invariably will happen um i don't know how you would bring a a product like that to the market so um
3: surely it depends on how much volume i mean if you do it in small enough volumes there'll always be a demand for it i mean and one of my one of my one of my thinkings on 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 the whole because at the moment um brian the spider if you don't back sweeten so in other words Generally speaking, we can go into the way different styles of cider are made. Um, but uh, I think the three of us on this call ferment complete dryness generally as a rule. So most people won't drink entirely dry cider. So the question is, how do you back sweeten it? You can do that with sugar. You can do that with fresh apple juice, which a lot of us do. Um, but if you don't add fresh apple juice and you only use sugar, uh, then as per the EU directive, which I can all think off the top of my head, there is no BBE date. So one of the sort of saving graces that I'm thinking of, daily with um, whiskey blends I'm looking at, is that there won't be a BBE date on it. So there won't be quite such a compulsion. Let's say I don't know. I might only do a thousand litres, um, but you know, if it takes me three years to sell it, it's not the end of the world because it won't have a BBE date on it anyway.
1: One of the one of the big problems that we have at the moment is there are no festivals. These these are all products that you try out at festivals and you 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 gauge the uh, the and people. Uh, yeah, yeah. you and I both. You and I both know. And Liam, you're kind of had in your early days as well. You're massively, and your production, your production values, and your production uh, is everything is to do with feedback that you get from people. Not mm. not not having face to face contact, with people. Like I would normally, I would bring a product like this uh, whiskey or the, the oak aged cask stuff. I would bring that to Hilden Festival and you automatically have 1,000, 1,500 people that are giving you feedback, whether it's positive, negative, or whatever, you know? And uh, I honestly think I could, if not necessarily turn beer drinkers with something like that, I could give them a very viable alternative to uh, come and drink a couple of pints of that without even actually thinking they were drinking, you know, a sweet cider, you know, so... Uh, I think I think there's I think there's big legs in that I think there's big legs for small quantities for like Eurogaged I think Eurogaged Eurogaged uh, wine I think it's a fantastic product that tawny has become incredibly refined there's there's market for that in small volumes but at a premium price you know so can I ask well, something yeah I mean, that, that would
3: be that would be hitting the off trade I mean that'll be going out between in court between eighteen and
0: 19 euros a a 50 CL book. Which which one's that? The Tony. Right. Since you're talking about, um, you know what you can't add in, especially in the UK, you can't add new stuff and that, you know, the barrels There, Does anybody play with the yeast? Or what? What kind of yeasts do you use, or do you pl- have you ever tried playing with, you know, like in beer yeah,
2: spontaneous fermentation? It, it is food. Brian. Yeah, ye- yeast right. is is a massive part, and I think well for ourselves anyway. And I'm sure the last well, you you work on commercial yeast. Like we we would have started off on, on wild yeast, so and we had really good wild yeast that that dominated, and it, it was uh very good in, in certain uh, apple varieties. Then we played a lot with uh, commercial yeast. We went through a lot of experiments and um. And and then, like, so so what you do then is you, you, you taste all of the ciders. There could be uh, maybe 15 or 20 different yeasts that you're using. Taste all of the ciders. And then you say, you, you point out a few uh, tanks or IBCs that you have, and you go, excellent, excellent. Like last year, now, we p- pointed out it was a John of Gold, and it had just um, absolutely fantastic. Uh, the, the flavor was just incredible. So we got the, um, the lees at the base of that, and we um, cool those, and we use those again. So we we, we we inoculated those again, and uh, and the cider from that then has been really good. So from our point of view, anyway, what we would be doing is we would um, get the best yeast, and then we would uh, re-inoculate and let that dominate in the cidery, continue to use that. Uh, and if that worked at all, like there's a big difference between your eating apples and your cider apples. Maybe it wouldn't work so well in the cider apples, but you just, Keep playing around with
1: the and stuff. Yeah. The, the, the one thing I would say about yeast that there are there are a few cider producers who say, uh, you know, absolutely minimal intervention, no sulfites, wild yeast fermentation. That's fine, right? The problem I have with an awful lot of those particular people is they don't actually ditch stuff that isn't of very good quality. So. If they have a tank that has been fermented with a wild yeast that has all flavours on it, tend to mix it with other ones as well. So, the wild yeast. Um, whenever I see someone that says they rely solely on wild yeast, uh, I need to drink a few bottles of their cider to find out whether their quality control is right before they before I would agree with it. Because I know I've come up, up <coughs> come up against a few. Um, Ciders that have been made with wild yeast, uh, that have been truly the most appalling things I've ever I've ever tasted. Because there's off flavours in, there's there's uh, there's a musty, fusty background flavour to some of them. So um, you need to make sure that people that say things like that actually do quality control and if they do get a batch they throw it out, you know. In the early Maybe days, you're not talking
3: about here, are you? Right?
1: Sorry? Sorry? You're not
3: talking
2: about Hereford cider.
1: Right? <laughs>
2: I think. I think we, we all know who we're talking about.
1: <laughs> you, know, I, you know, i i i have i've had i've had some local cider uh, over the years, which I would say is of average quality. And you'd never have anything that's truly undrinkable. Well, so far, I've never had an Irish cider that is truly undrinkable, but I've had some that were shall we say, challenging and interesting uh, to, yeah. to consider. I've been but, uh, and there. But are, there are a few people that, that wear this as a badge of honor. I don't sulfite, I use natural yeast, I do this. And um, I look at them sometimes and think, you know, you maybe it would be better you know, using the old commercial yeast just to see how it compares, you know? So have, have we enough time to do the last couple of ciders? Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, we, we, we're coming close to the time, but yeah, maybe if we can. We, we right. of... so Daniels Ross floating about okay. there. Let's do it. I'd say
1: I want to give the best till last. Anyway. <laughs>
2: <laughs> your, your elder is last,
0: by the way. Yes, you, you noticed that too, did you, Lynn? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> by the well, way, I, got... uh, I think I mentioned just while you're pouring out there that. You know, you're all generously putting up some some samples to give away here. So I'm going to basically everybody who's here at the end, which we've stuck it out through the end, we'll all get something from you. So I um, yeah. just just you know that'll be Billy Lyons, Paul Garland, Kate Bailey, Carl Mark O'Neill, and Barry Masterson. Yeah, and as
2: well, uh, I, I'd like to thank Carl. Carl is a great supporter of, of ciders in Ireland. He's got a great range inside Mortons, and uh, he, he's just recently started stocking us as well. So thanks very much, Carl. Thanks for your support.
0: Yeah, you might really think about that with a sombrero like that, though, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> did I hear the name Billy Lands. Maybe, maybe you should redo your branding, and you can just have a sombrero. Oh uh, <laughs> yes, yes. I actually
2: look Mexican. I, I think I'm, I'm the epitome of what a Mexican should look like. I'm a redhead, for God's sake. <laughs> can I,
1: can I na- did I hear the name? Did I hear the name Billy Lands? Yeah. Hmm. Right. This is a, this is a person who I've never met, and. I see an awful lot of their social media posts and uh, I would really quite like to meet them at some stage because... Well, Billy
3: is from Cork, so, you know, God's own country, Davey. So when well, the next to
1: day... Well, you know, you, you see you see a lot of these people on social media and, you know, there are a lot of people who do, who obviously are incredibly passionate about local produce and local good producers and he certainly seems to be one of those. Yeah.
2: D- Daniel, I, I got to say, like, fair dues. right. Let me explain this before we run out of
3: time. So this little fella here is basically a blend. It is a blend of rhubarb wine. So how do you get juice out of rhubarb? Basically, you chop it into little bits, you freeze it, and then you press it uh, because it's highly sinuous, as you can imagine. And those of you who want to giggle can
1: A screw press is what you need.
3: Uh, any pr- well we managed to break our macerating tank trying to pump the flipping stuff through. anyway it's been a nightmare um so anyway it's it's hard so you extract it now obviously rhubarb has very little sugar in it so um um you're around about a thousand a thousand and one if you're lucky um so we add sugar uh we fermented out to nine percent total dryness it's intriguing when you get the base um when you get the dry rhubarb wine there's lots of rhubarb one of the few things i've worked with which keeps other than its color it keeps its characteristics so odor uh flavor unfortunately not the color but anyway that's another thing um but one of the fascinating things is that when it's dry um and you're tasting it before you blend, there's a real salty quality to it yeah. and then we blend it with uh eating apple jonaga red principally um dry cider and then we back sweeten with with fresh juice so anybody you know i haven't had this in a while anybody who likes rhubarb this is manna from heaven manna. i love it i love
2: it yeah, it, is. <laughs> it, it just, it See, just reminds is me of rhubarb and custard desserts you know it's just it absolutely nails it like how, how you got that true rhubarb flavor all the way through to the end product
1: has uh, uh, anybody, anybody here ever tasted group, uh, rhubarb uh, gin? Rhubarb gin, no. Any good? It's a it's a rhubarb gin liqueur that they do. It's about 20%. and uh, It's obviously a synthetic base that they put into it, but it's very rhubarb and custardy. And nearly everything that purports to be rhubarb is done with this particular flavouring or uh, uh, essence or whatever and the fact i i actually with liam i would actually say this is one of the few things that i've tasted that is just pure yes, rhubarb. pure reverb. yeah yeah
2: that it has, that, that incredible it has, flavor
1: it doesn't, have, it doesn't have that back custardy yep. bit that you get you know it's it's really fresh I, I have to say um we have been friends for a long time but i'm I, I would quite happily become uh non-friend if i had made that and he hadn't made that because I think that's just a wonderful... Yeah, no, I it's, think it's, it's a
2: wonderful incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's I,
3: incredible. You know, well, I, all I can say is I'm bloody glad that it did come out that way, because when a local farmer said to me, would you like some of my rhubarb, I thought, what the hell, we we'll give going to go. Extracting juice from rhubarb
1: is the biggest nightmare. Screw just press. press. And seriously, screw press is what you need, because there's, a, there's a, another product, uh, that, uh, somebody that I was making uh, wheatgrass... Uh, shots at a screw press and it would be the perfect thing for for extracting juice from you there. You end up with uh you end up with the pulp that comes out of it. You imagine you imagine trying to press grass, like right, is what this thing does. Yeah. And literally what comes out of it is like nuggets that you would feed uh cattle. You know, it's that you know the, the pulp is that dry and the and the juice comes out. Unbelievable,
3: right? I did I did look at it. I mean the, the clearest it's it's either um an olive um press or a soya press is probably the yeah, best thing yeah, that we should yeah. Do.
1: Yeah. But the one the one criticism that I i have about this cider, and it is it's it's a completely superficial thing, is that I personally speaking I would have had a tiny, tiny proportion of black currant juice to that just to make it pink. Because I think if that was a very you know, the blackcurrant flavour will go with the rhubarb flavour. Um you don't need to put any you don't need to put much black curd in to actually get the colour. You wouldn't influence the flavour at all. But I think it would just elevate that to the, the most refined product that you could possibly have. I I really I I, I tip my hat to you yeah. on <clears> well,
2: <throat> well done, Daniel.
1: Well done. I think I think that is think that is a, a truly
2: curve. Yeah. yeah.
1: And like Daniel, oh, in, in fairness yeah. to you,
2: no, But in fairness to you, you know, and you look at the Americans now and all that they're doing—they're kind of throwing tea and they're throwing everything into their cider and they're experimenting with it. But I don't know anyone who's ever thought of putting rubber in a cider. Like it's just a mad idea.
1: And well, it, well, I did, but I, I did, but I couldn't get it right. Right. So I didn't bring
2: it. Right. Well, but, you know, I, not only did you think but, you but, got really it right. right. So fair dues, fair dues. It it's great. So, thank you. So, that's
1: Right, elderflower, Davy, Elder tell us about Elderflower. So the Elderflower basically is I was out I was out in my in the shed that I used to make the cider in at home. And uh, I just had I I was tasting some cider and I, I came upon in my head I came upon a recipe for some elderflower cider. And uh, basically in the head what I thought the recipe was going to be this is within one to 2% of what that recipe has actually turned out to be. You know, it's, uh, I have to say, I've changed the elderflower source now, uh, due to price. I used to use, uh, used to use an elderflower from a Southern producer, uh, but just, it, it just became, he had a couple of bad harvests and it just, the whole product just became too expensive to produce. So, This is made with a commercial um, elderflower cordial that's actually available in the supermarkets. Mm, It's nice.
2: Nice, David. You can't get this down here, can you? I haven't seen it around.
1: At the minute, I don't think I'm on sale anywhere in the south of Ireland due to Brexit and B, the pandemic. So it'll be at least six months, I think, before that changes. But hopefully whenever it does change. What's the specific gravity on this, David? 1019. Yeah, it's quite sweet in comparison. We've been having, isn't it? Well, the my uh, strawberry cider is one thousand and twenty. If it's one thousand and eighteen, it doesn't taste of strawberry at all. Uh, Sweetness level and the uh, sweetness level influences the amount of strawberry or amount of elderflower cordial you have to put in. The acidity of the of the cider. This, generally speaking, I make with. uh, later season apples that have just a little bit more apple character. Um, early season, uh, eating apple cider made with uh, Western discovery, slightly too acidic for the, the final product. But it's about pH around about 3.6, 3.7. Um, like my dry cider's pH about 3.5. So I What's tried to... The, the pH p- on this, did you say, David? 3.6, 3.7. You know, but the... Uh, Seems more at a <coughs> the higher. No, it's it's around it right about three six, three seven. No, it's it's, um, it's lovely,
2: David. Really drinkable. It's it's a lovely cider. Very nice, and it's a nice a nice subtle.
1: I yeah. Yeah.
3: What, I, what I like about David, the elderflower is subtle, and on the on the aftertaste, it really carries through. You know, re- in a very pleasant, um, pleasant way. It's not overbearing. I mean, what I found in the last one I've had elderflower, is you just get elderflower at the beginning, at the middle, and at the end, and then it comes back and smacks you over the
1: head. I mean, this is quite delicate. It's 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 well balanced, so very pleasant. Well, this this just goes to show that I can't actually do something whenever I want to. You know, it's just that most of my life is revolved around absolutely in your face, and uh, but you know, I. I Look, I elderflower is one of those things that, um, first of all, it's a marmite for you, you either like it or you don't like it, yeah. Uh, and it's it's always best whenever it's understated. You know, what I like about your rhubarb is it's there at the beginning and it's there, it's there at the initial flip, the initial taste, and it's there at the final swallow, but in the middle of it, you actually get a lovely cider characteristic. And I think this, I think the elderflower is the same. I think. Any good flavored cider shouldn't be a slap in the face. It should be uh, a subtle tap on the shoulder to be, oh, you know, I'm actually here. I am actually here.
3: Well, I think I think you're very mean not to have given us a, a rhubarb. I mean, sorry, a strawberry. Yours is unbelievable.
1: Well, the uh, the strawberry. I've changed the way the strawberry's made completely. I don't make strawberry. Well, that's not true. I make small proportions. A small proportion of strawberry wine still goes into every batch. But where the strawberry wine used to be, the, the only strawberry flavor in it, now there's a mega strawberry syrup to go in with into the final product. We actually blow that in after the cider has been, uh, has been filtered and put into the chill tank. We actually blow the strawberry syrup in afterwards.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the- well,
3: how, however you make it, it's damn fine. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I think you deprived us, Davy. need to
1: practice strawberry wine strawberry wine's fine but everything is it's all about it's all about temperature if you try to make strawberry wine in the middle of winter unless you have a a proper uh heat control system it's a disaster you end up with uh sulfurous odors that you definitely would not want in your finished product (laughs) My my septic tank at home has been the receptacle of a few hundred liters of strawberry wine over the years that just didn't quite make the cut so oh, no. and I, i'm at the stage now where i can't cry anymore so whenever anything like that is thrown away i just i pine just a little bit more you know
0: <laughs> maybe we should leave it on that depressing <laughs> 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 90. 90. oh god how
3: pitiful
1: Oh, jeep. In 15 minutes, I have my two grandsons, my daughter, and my son in law coming. So, there's an evening of debauchery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you should behave yourself day. When, your,
2: when your grandchildren are around, for God's sake,
1: Davey. <laughs> the crowd will have gone to bed by that stage. I have some, some port, sitting decanted and all ready. Oh, right. So, we're a few ciders and then. Uh, On to the serious business. We have, we have a little bit, we have a new bit of uh, railway track to put together for the boys, which is very exciting. And, uh, well, so before
3: we get on to the domestic scenes and bliss of the uh, Oop Richard household, Brian, thank you very much for uh, organising
2: this. I've thank enjoyed you it intensely. Yeah, thank you very much. Great. Well, hopefully yeah, I, could I, you I...
3: take loads of photos of Liam, please? because <laughs> <we'd> be <able laughs> <to>, uh, <Harrison,
0: laughs> We'll be charging for the branding um, suggestion. <laughs> I,
1: I, I, have, I have to say, I was I was incredibly pleased to be asked uh, because it has been a, a very very difficult uh, 13, 14 months or whatever without the interaction of people a at festivals and b just in general. So yeah, to be yeah. part of something that brings a, a slight little bit of normality back. This is my wedding anniversary today. Hey, hey. 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 <laughs> I have a birthday. This is this is like a uh, this is just a wonderful time for uh, the whole thing <coughs> Jonathan has left home to do some shopping so, <coughs> he's having a wonderful time not having to put up with me I'm being entertained by a few of my friends and uh, its the sun's shining outside what Happy more days, have we exactly about?
2: I'm gonna go out now <coughs> Good dance. Many
3: Thank happy returns to you and Janet Davey. Many happy returns.
2: Congratulations. Uh, Another
1: year. <laughs> Slushy <laughs> and uh, enjoy your enjoy your cider, whether it's Irish, English, American, or whatever your Japanese.
0: Japanese. I hope somebody. I hope we've kind of. Got some few people here who'll kinda of go out or who'll see the, the replays and go out and try some ciders that maybe wouldn't otherwise have tried them or that may have just tried Bulmers. Um so I think we will finish here um because we're way over time. Normally I'm I'm very strict on cutting the time off. But um, I um, you can, um,
1: Brian, you can do many things, but you cannot shut cider <laughs> <on> them. <it. Yeah, laughs>
0: If you've been listening to this, you probably enjoy visiting a brewery and trying to you know tour it, learn who the people are who make the brew, make the beers, um, see how they do it, and just get to know the local of the specifics of that particular brewery. Um, You've probably also found out that it's quite difficult to identify which brewers allow visitors. Many don't because they don't have space, they don't have time. A lot of breweries are gypsy brewers; they don't have their own facilities. So, trying to dig all that out can be quite hard. That's why I set up breweryvisits.eu. It's a list of, it's a directory of brewers that allow and welcome visitors. You know, it it might be that they have set up tours, you know, kind of tours arranged, or that you can just call them and they're, they're quite happy to show you around. It's still growing. We have about 300 brewers in there out of about, thousands that i went through uh so if, if you're interested in actually finding a brewer to visit when you're traveling around europe then check out breweryvisits.eu